Good morning, everybody. This is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Homebuyer's Hour. This show is dedicated to client advocacy, and we bring on some of the best real estate professionals in the area. In the studio with me today, I have a lovely young lady who's a very successful real estate agent, and her name is Kimber Galvin. First of all, though, I want to go ahead and introduce the people that we have on the on the phone with us. And first of all, Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank. Joey, can you say hi and give us a little bit about your company? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, Joey Matthews of Federal Savings Bank, MLS 133-0694. I'm never going to get used to you having to say that number all the time. I'm so glad I don't have to do it. I might switch my middle name to just that number. (laughs) Compliance might kill me. But uh, yeah, guys, I'm just always happy to be here uh, and, and, and learn more about different realtors and what their different processes are and, you know, the ways that we can, you know, help them be awesome at what they already are. Yeah, I, I know for the past few people, we've been learning a bunch of new tricks. I, and, and tricks isn't the right word, just not another tactic, I guess, or another way to be a client advocate. Uh, Vince, tell us about a Ricky Law, Law Group. Yes, with the Riccio Law Offices. We've been in business 25 years. And I want you to know, Charlie, I'm working on a new tagline. You can make fun of it. You can tell me if it works. But I think it applies to what we learn on your show. And here it goes. You ready? I'm ready. It's real estate responsibly. I like that, actually. I like it. Yeah. And and Kimber, last but not definitely not least, this is the main focus of our show today. Um, tell us about your office and your team, please. Sure. Hey, Charlie, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name's Kimber Galvin. I am a real estate agent at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Um, my sister and I, my sister Drew Westergan and I have our, our own small team, K&D Homes. Um, we've collectively been in the business for about 15 years. Um, even longer if you count some of the time that I, I, about 20 years ago, I started doing rentals, which is kind of how I broke my way into real estate um, and found myself back into the business about 10 years ago. Nice. And it's not just you too, right? You have other people on your team? We do. We're a small team right now. We do. We've got one other agent that works with us. So it's right. three of us. But nice. um, we produce about between 25 and $30 million a year. Wow. Um, and we're actually in the process of growing a little bit. We don't, you know, our aspirations aren't to be a huge, huge team. We like to keep things intimate. We really like to have, um, play a really, um, we want each of our clients to feel like it's, you know, that we're taking care of them, that they're not being passed off to other agents. But we are definitely adding, um, in the process of adding other agents to the team to help better service our clients as nice. well. And just out of curiosity, and what do you look for when you're going to add another agent on there? What is, what is something that you want to have that's going to represent your brand, your company, you? Um, someone, that's a really good question. I mean... Integrity. Sorry, I threw you, I no, threw you no, one no, that I didn't let you get prepared for. No, someone that's going to, you know, have a very strong work ethic. This isn't really okay. a nine to five job. We need to be available. We are available to our clients. You know, negotiations go beyond five o'clock often oh, times. So, you know, being available to our clients um, when they need us, making sure that, um, Integrity, again, is something that I, I'm stressing because, you know, this is one of buying or selling a home is one of the biggest investments you're ever going to make. So it's really important that our clients feel that we or know that they that we have their best interest throughout the entire process. So we really need um, the people that we bring onto our team really need to embody um, those. What am I looking for those passion. qualities? Yeah, those qualities yeah. and have the passion to, you know, for the business because this is again it's something that you work weekends you work seven days a week and you really have to love what you do now i i will confess i do not want to work seven days a week <laughs> i don't want to work all hours joey and vince just uh, do you guys how late do you guys work into the night how, how how late is someone reaching out to me i mean it's just uh i work with a lot of veterans and sometimes they're deployed uh you know so if I got a borrower who's in Kuwait, 
buying in the United States. I gotta, I gotta be ready for that two AM phone call. I'm very, very, very weird, and I understand that I'm weird. <laughs> You're not um, weird. I, I'm finding that as a common denominator, though, where everybody puts in all this extra time and effort. And I think I'm yeah. one of the only few, and I'm, you know, not afraid to say it. I we have other people that will answer the phone, but I don't. I really don't want to answer the phone after seven o'clock at night. I want to spend time with my family. And Vince, what about you? Sure. You, you know, um, maybe Charlie, because you have an opportunity to uh, have evenings, and you're not having to do inspections late at night or in the dark. But to be honest, you know, my real estate agent contacts and my, you know, first-time buyers, uh, uh, they, they do expect you to uh, be available. So, sure, sure, before 9 o'clock, before 10 o'clock, I'm always checking my texts, always checking my emails. But but they just, you, you know when you need to make a call back or you know when it's okay. It may be risky, but it's okay to text someone and say, you know, uh, please uh, know this is nothing to worry about. We can talk about it first thing in the morning. So I'm monitoring, but I'm not always, you know, getting right back to them. I, I try to make them feel better, though. That, I think that, again, it goes back to that common denominator that I, I just heard Kimber say that, you know, it's part of that passion. But you have to let people know that you care about them. And I, I think that whole idea of caring about them is being there for when they want you there. Is that right, Kimber? For sure. I mean, I think it's important that, again, this is, you know, buying or selling a home is not a process that most people, you know, is not something that most people do 15 times in their lives. Maybe so, three at the most. Right. Exactly. So you really want to, you know, what I want to make sure that I'm doing throughout the process is that they, giving them the information that they need to feel comfortable with the decisions that they're making ultimately. So if I need to jump on a call at eight o'clock at night, I will. Um, okay. I'm not saying that happens seven days a week. I think it also ebbs and flows with the market. Um, yeah. You know, the spring market is strong right now. It started and it's very active. I work with a lot of buyers and there's not a lot of inventory right now. So it's important if we're in a multiple offer situation that I'm just not leaving someone hanging to the next day. So um, let's hit that then, the, the buyers and multiple. And, and part of what we try to do here is go through the entire home buying process from beginning to end. Sure. All right. And one of the first things I like to do is talk about how you onboard your client. How do you get to meet them? How do you get them to say that you're the real estate agent for them? You know, what, how do you make yourself stand out and how do you get them prepared? You know, I, I think every situation is unique and every buyer is going to be unique. Um, I, think that getting pre-approved is probably the first step um, and making sure that if we do find a property quickly, that they're qualified to put in the strongest offer possible. Um, so I think talking to a lender is definitely a very important part of the process. Um, well, what questions would you ask the lender? We got one right here. What, what would you ask Joey to see if he's worthy of you? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a hard one. I you know I do have I do have a few trusted lenders that I work with, but I think that you know being able to make a client feel comfortable, being able to explain the process from the lending perspective as well, um, because there are you know things change within within regulations and giving you know being able to give our clients a few different options as well. Let's say this is what a purchase. This is what your down payment looks like with 5%. This is what your interest rate looks like with 10% down. So being able to say this might be a better program for you or this might be a better option for you. Um, and then again, just being available and just, you know, if a buyer needs handholding, being there to kind of explain the process. Nice. And you do most of the handholding or do you want the, the mortgage broker to do that? You know, when I work with um, an attorney and a lender, I ideally I like it to be kind of a team Absolutely. Um, kind of a, um, we're working together as a team to get our clients the best deal, the best interest rate, the best, the home in some yeah. cases right now, because it is such a competitive process. And then getting them um, from the contract to the closing table um, and make sure that we're, and making sure that we're all communicating together to make sure that the client understands what's going on, the client feels comfortable with That's the process, the and that um, they're getting communicated to yeah. ultimately. And making them feel uncomfortable, I, I think that's the most important. Um, Joey, add in on this. I know that you use the term 
negatively towards other lenders. You you use the term lazy lenders in the past. Don't don't what, trust lazy lenders. Tell us yeah, what no, that means and and tell us how you protect your clients um, from no, the lazy sure. lenders. So who watched the Super Bowl? Uh, I, I did Everyone. fall asleep to part of it. I'm sorry. I watched the halftime show. <laughs> I was looking up oh, the age the of all the performers on the halftime show. I was trying to figure out how old they are. You know, Eminem's almost fifty. Oh, so a lot of them are in their fifties or almost fifty. It's crazy, but um, no. So the 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 commercial that won, you know, top ad or was voted top ad came from Rocket Mortgage, right? And I was just laughing my my butt off because. Again, don't trust lazy lenders, but uh, and we Rocket are not mortgage calling pre- Rocket Mortgage a lazy lender. Just to be no, clear yeah, on that, all right? <laughs> yeah, hey, again, it was just uh, an there, ad we saw in the Super Bowl, right? There's, uh, hey, R- Rockets, Rocket, <laughs> and they certainly make enough money to pay for an ad at the Super Bowl, all right? So, no, my big thing is uh, when you're working with a lender. I mean, online lenders are everywhere, right? But they also don't necessarily screen docs. Uh, they, they may not even look at docs at all. They're just like, okay, well, this this is all in these correct uploaded spots. And I'm so sorry I have my six-month-old sleeping on me right now. Are you kidding um, me? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so the big thing for me is uh, it, it, it is hand-holding a lot with the first-time home buyers. With follow-up buyers, it can be a little bit different, especially if they bought in the last three or four years because they're, they can be used to the process, right? Anytime I'm working with someone, I want to know what their long-term goals are. I want to know what their short-term goals are, right? So if they're going to be buying a property and they plan to be there for three to five years, I discuss different ways to maximize their financial position, right? So I'm working with someone right now. You know, you look at the difference between putting 5, 10, 15, whatever percent down, what it does to rate and payment, and and what it does to their long-term goals. So when I pre-approve someone, I'm verifying everything right I want to make sure that I have my my two years work history I want to make sure I have my my income I can use I want but the biggest thing that I want to do is I want to make sure that I know what their comfort level is with a payment because what you can do and what you should do are incredibly different things right Explain. so if someone tells me they, they, they have a $2,500 maximum payment that they want for PI for principal interest tax insurance all that good stuff I want to make sure that they know what their price point is. And I want to talk to the realtor about it too, because I don't know how much the buyer is communicating to the realtor regarding their monthly price point, what that does on my end. But uh, yeah, just because you can, you can afford five grand a month doesn't mean you need to be paying five grand a month. Because if, if you do and you end up house broke, the first call you're making is to me and asking why I let you do it. So yeah. Pre-approval. Do you really get those calls? Oh, I, no, I've never let someone do that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Duh. You know, I should know I better. I tell people, <laughs> yeah, I screen everything. I've never had a pre-approval go on under contract and then get denied. I've never had a borrower denied. If I did, I would honestly quit this industry because that is the definition of a lazy lender is getting a borrower denied. So uh, that's, yeah, don't is trust it, lazy lenders. That's my thing. <laughs> has that happened to you? Where somebody gets pre-approved and all of a sudden everything goes crash and burn? No, knock on wood, I haven't had that experience. Right. So, um, no. but most of the time, you use the people that you have relationships with. I assume. Yeah, I mean, I always, you know, I always refer a few different lenders um, out to my clients that I that I trust, and oftentimes they go with one of those um, with one of those people, and oftentimes, you know, they go their own route, and it tends to be when they go their own route with someone like an internet broker or an internet lender. Um, you know, it can be very challenging. I haven't had something fall through because of financing, but, you know, I've seen clients that have turned into files at banks and that no one can get a hold of the lender. We don't know what's going on. Mortgage contingencies are passing. And, you that know, it's just, again, it's the communication part of it, just mm-hmm. not having, and it's very stressful for the buyer. That I can see. Yeah, the, the frustration for everybody, and then that just ruins the whole experience. And not only that, but then it starts getting people onto emotions, I think, and that just makes it more difficult to communicate, you know, when it comes down the road. So Sure. So, and, okay, let's get it back on here. We got a client. They chose to work with your team, and you're showing them houses. You find the right house. 
what's that process like now? We're gonna we're gonna talk about putting it on paper, getting the contract, presenting it. Which one do you use? First of all, you're a Chicago agent, right? Yeah, I just use the um, the car four page car four page contract. Yeah. Um, unless you know, obviously, if it's new construction, oftentimes developers will have um, their own contracts that they want they want us to use but yeah generally i just use the um the four page contract the chicago association of realtors um i at this point in the process i hope that i've had the opportunity or that i probably have had the opportunity to sit down with a buyer and really go through what um the different parts of the contract are important the contingencies that are important what the next steps are you know every transaction is different but i really do my best to um to have a to set out a timeline so they have expectations of um, how long an attorney approval period goes on, when to order the inspection, um, when they can expect the appraisal to occur, uh, things like that. And so they really are familiar with all that terminology as well. So things mm-hmm. aren't coming as a huge surprise. And um, it moves fast too, doesn't? It? I mean, right when you sign that contract, you present it, they come back, and it's approved. You got what seven million things that you got to do? There's a lot of stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moving. There's a lot of different moving parts and a lot of people yeah. involved in the process. So I really, again, education is such a big part of our process with buyers that we really want them to understand um, what the major milestones that they're going to be hitting, what earnest money is. A lot of buyers mm-hmm. don't even understand what earnest money is, and that's a surprise that that you know after right of attorney approval they're going to be putting five yeah. percent um, of the purchase price into an escrow account so we really want to go through and make sure our, that they understand all these different um, components of the contract that they're signing nice you almost have to be an attorney yourself you know in order to do stuff like that but isn't most of the real estate classes that you end up taking and to get the license isn't it, I don't know, isn't it mostly contract law it, you know, there is a lot of contractual, I mean, I think you really learn how to be a realtor from experience, um, but there is a lot of the I contractual, yeah, yeah, the contractual jargon that occurs in those, um, in those classes that, um, that are, that's important, obviously very important as well. So that, that brings us to Vince, actually, you know, when do you bring in the attorneys? When do you want your client to start, you know, meeting somebody or choosing who they're going to work with? I mean, is that done before they sign the contract or do you wait till afterwards? Or? You know, I do explain that I have trusted attorneys that um, I work with. So I introduce them to the yeah. idea that they will be working with an attorney because in a lot of states, um, attorneys aren't actually involved in the process. I think Illinois is one of the only few, if any. Exactly. So it ones. can be surprising to people that um, yeah. that we actually, that both the buyer and the seller will have an attorney that's representing You know, let me interest. ask Vince one question, because he's in Indiana also. Is it common for real estate, Vince, to, to have attorneys in Indiana? I know it's here in Illinois, but what about next door? Only commercial, oh. uh, it's routine. Like in Illinois, it's automatic for re- residential and commercial. In Indiana, it's automatic for commercial. Huh. However... I will say, for all the carpetbaggers or or Illinois buyers <laughs> jumping the uh, border to, and moving to uh, Indiana, is that what you're calling us say, now, carpetbaggers? Uh, oh my I, goodness! I, I was one myself. I was one myself about, uh, seven years ago. Jumped the border. Uh, still, still love and work every day in Chicago, but. Uh, same commute as someone living in Naperville, but everyone thinks I'm in Ohio, you know, that I live in Indiana. Uh, but Charlie, the uh, Indiana real estate agents who have Illinois buyers moving to Indiana, they will call me. So once you're in Illinois and you get into the habit of using a lawyer, uh, and, and, you know, it's flat fee, it's, it's not onerous, um, uh, they will hire attorneys, and that's some work I get here in Indiana. Interesting. No, that thanks for sharing. Sorry I interrupted you, Kimber. Oh, no. My my brain works on very <laughs> small little nuggets. So whenever I get a thought in there I gotta get it out right away. Sure. Go so, for it. So tell us more about, you know, getting them with the attorney. I wanna the time frame is what's really important to me. When do you wanna get them started and get that phone call made? You know, as soon as I have a um an executed contract is generally okay. that contract goes to the attorney immediately. Um and you know, whether they're working with one of my attorneys, the introduction is made. Um, 
they have the opportunity to get on a phone call. My clients can talk to the attorneys if they want to work with them, see if they have a good relationship, if it works. Um, then at that point, we kind of start again, myself, the attorney and the lender work as a team at this point to really get our client from, um, from contract to close, essentially. And what makes a good quality for an attorney? Communication, again, yeah. communication is so important. You keep I keep going mean, back to that. I, I could well, see how is, important it is to you. It's really just being kept in the loop. Someone mm -hmm. that I can, I appreciate being able to jump on the phone with an attorney. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of attorneys out there that I'm just dealing with their paralegal the entire time or, um, again, they're, they have so many clients that all that each client becomes a file rather than a real person. Yeah. Um, so we are, when, when I'm involved in a transaction, I really like to make sure that I'm able to communicate, get on the phone with someone when I need to, and um, you know, the, the entire time rather than just getting emails from a paralegal or not being really included on the communication or the, um, the negotiations. No, and, and I think you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's about, or Vince, actually, you mentioned it, and it's working with the other person. It's not, you know, we're not trying to coerce or convince or anything else like that, but you got to be working together, and everybody's got to be on the same page to get there. And I get it. It actually makes a lot of sense to me about, you know, you need somebody who's willing to be there for you, answer your calls, talk to them, and have, I don't know, maybe intimate is the right word, an intimate understanding of what's going on with that particular transaction. Does sure. that sound fair? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way of putting it. All right. What about the, the worst professional in the entire real estate process, those evil home inspectors? What, <laughs> what is the, the process on getting those guys on board? Well, you know, a home inspector is such a um, crucial part of this whole you know purchase process it's obviously buying a home is a huge financial investment and um it's really critical to work with a thorough inspector that's going to provide a clear picture of um the home's condition but don't isn't you know i want to play devil's advocate here a little bit isn't when they make that big long list of issues and you get that report of 75 things going on and maybe 15 red items or whatever doesn't it just scare the bejesus out of your clients? Or? Sure, again, but an education is part of the, the process here and having a, um, an inspector that can also go through and point out what's going to be a major issue and something that's minor. And, you know, it's, it's the inspector's job to point out everything. I mean, they're only there for a two-hour period, so everything to do. <laughs> Sometimes Come longer, on, yeah. be realistic. Depending on the size you know, of the, the property, exactly. obviously. You know, this isn't, they don't have x-ray vision. But, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, throughout that process, it's, they're going to, they're going to note everything that comes up, comes up during the, during the home inspection. And what I like about um, Chicago Land Home Inspectors oh. is that you guys are really able to provide a very detailed inspection, but also able to break down the issues that come up into layman's terms so that the client feels comfortable about um, about what's going to come up in the report because the report is a very scary you know it's 30 pages of a lot of things yeah. that could be wrong with the property and you know once you have an inspector that's able to say hey this is a minor issue this is something you know no home is going to be perfect this is a minor issue this is something to budget for this is a deal killer um, yeah I mean we try to stay away from the deal killing you know things we figure that you know, one of the greatest things about being a citizen in the, of the United States is that freedom of choice. Of course, of course. And I, I will refuse to take that away from anybody. Sure. All right. But giving somebody good, accurate information, I think, is important and allows them to make that choice intelligently. And make their own decision based on the information. Sure. We figure everything boils down to two things, how much and who pays, you know? Yeah. So we can help them with what you were saying, with the seriousness of everything and go from there. And if there are any other home inspectors listening to this, I'm going to give you one of our golden nuggets. When Before you leave the client, when you're there on site, and before you leave the real estate agent, because just like Vince and Joey said, everything is, is kind of a team approach on this stuff, go through every single picture that you took with your client and the agent. Let them know what's going to be in that report. Because if something shows up in that report that somebody's not prepared for, it, it's, it's, it's a curveball. 
you know, and they're not always the easiest things to hit when when it's three pitches that are coming in there. Joey Vince, what's your thought on that? Or Joey, does it even affect you at all when um, with the home inspection reports? Do you even get those? I never want to see a home inspection report in my life. Okay, fair um, enough. No, no. So it, it, it does. So particularly if you are using like a VA or FHA loan, I, I do want to look at it. I'm never going to send it to an underwriter because I'm not, you know, crazy. But uh, I want to see if there's anything that I know a VA or FHA appraiser is going to come in and be like, uh, hey, the health and safety stuff. The health and safety. Yeah, absolutely. I like to stay ahead of problems because. Uh, once you're behind a problem, that, uh, then it's a real problem because then you're adding a week, you're adding two weeks. You know, you got to get something repaired because you can't just do a, a, a seller credit for repair unless it's something weather related that can't be fixed. But um, if it's a handrail, you know, it's a quick fix, it's easy. If it's chipped paint, silly things like that, I mean, it's super easy to deal with as long as I know up front. So while generally I don't ask to see an inspection on, on those government loans, I, I, I do prefer seeing it. Nice. And Vince, what about you? What makes a good report or a good home inspector as opposed to, you know, a good old WTF when you look at it? Sure. Well, I'll answer your first question is um, both the real estate agent and the attorney, along with the lender, we have to be very careful while we leave all lines of communication open, while we are honest and tell the truth, we should only send what's necessary to each vendor or service provider involved in the transaction. For instance, the lender doesn't want to see, and the attorneys and the real estate agents know, or the better ones do, know not to send the inspection report or not to send attorney review or exchange of letters between attorneys about inspection items, and especially addendums, the extra piece of paper that you add to a contract changing a turn. The addendum shouldn't say, you know, credit of $500 or $1,000 for property damage or for inspection items. You just call it a simple, vague closing cost credit. And the reason is, and Joey knows better than I do, but the reason I've been taught is the lenders don't want to see the damage or relate or, or items relating to the condition of the property. Uh, they want the uh, truth, but they also don't want to be involved in all of that. They don't want to loan money on the back of needing to make repairs. They want to know the condition of the property. They want to know the value of the property. Yes, but they just want to loan on the sales price because that's how we do it in this business. So, you know, uh, it's funny. It's a dance. You have to leave all communication open, but you have to know what to flow to who while being ethical, Charlie. No, that's that's actually, and, and Kimber's over here. You guys can't see her, but she's nodding her head <laughs> as you're talking. Yeah, so obviously you're agreeing. Sure, I think he did a really good job of explaining. <laughs> no, I got it. And no home is ever perfect where it comes into it. So I don't know. But let's, um, I'm going to just take a short break here. I'd like to go around the horn again. Um, my name is Charlie Valfontaine. I'm with Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehomeinspectors, and that's plural, O-R-S, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312 544-9180. Joey, give us a scoop. Joey Matthews. I'm not saying my MLS again. But, uh, <laughs> Once I think is enough. Yeah, uh, my cell phone is 630-235-2405. I never have anyone bother with my business line because cell phone, you can call text anytime. I'm always ready for you. I love it. And Vince? Yes, uh, we are Riccio Law Offices. You can look at our website. It's under reallawchicago.com. We are on Facebook and LinkedIn. And phone number, area code 312-263-0010. And Kimber, give us the contact information for your team. Uh, it's Kimber Galvin, KD Homes at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. You can reach me directly at 312-339-6900. My website is www.kdhomeschicago.com and my email is kimber at kimbergalvin.com. 
Outstanding. So now, you know, we got this. We got the contract signed. We got the home inspection done. You're still, what is, what is our contingency periods? You got time frames in there. What are those numbers? Um, it's really, it depends on the, the, I mean, we're seeing a lot of shorter closes recently. Um, so if you're looking at a 30 to 45 day close, which I think has become pretty standard, you're looking at a five to seven day um, attorney approval period. Um, That's interesting. So it's not standard. It fluctuates. I mean, it just depends on the negotiation. So right. longer closes, we can do a seven day um, attorney approval period. Um, shorter closes, it needs to be a little bit tighter just because the lending process, it needs to go, the file needs to go through underwriting. So we want to get the lender all of this information as quickly as possible so um, he can get them clear to close. Um, we're looking at mortgage Those contingency. Those are magic words, aren't yep, they? Yeah, clear to close. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, three great words. Um, mm -hmm. And you're looking at, if you've got a 30-day close, I'm looking at probably, you know, a 25-day mortgage contingency just to give the lender as much time as possible. Yeah. Sometimes a, a, a good agent on the other side will push that back a little bit um, just to make sure, to protect their client as well, to make sure that the funding is going to, the loan is going to be able to be cleared. But um, I try to push it as close to the close date as possible. Joey, what's normal for you on that time frame? So for, for me, just because of uh, what I do on the, the front end, I've already got verifications of employment i've already got pay stubs I already have assets uh on a conventional loan i don't need to verify earnest money unless uh they don't have the assets to cover up front so for me once i have a contract i go straight to underwriting within 24 hours wow. uh, generally once i'm out of underwriting i'm just waiting on title homeowners insurance and appraisal uh Kimber, is that normal or through. is that unusual I think, that's, I think hours. that's great. Do you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's Sorry, wonderful. Joey. Yeah, I didn't mean um, to interrupt you. No, no, no. I think that's great. Um, there are some lenders that are able to do that, and that's yeah. you know that's a really great position to be in as a buyer. It makes you a much stronger buyer. And as an agent as well, doesn't it make it easier for you? It makes my job a lot easier, for sure. It takes out a lot of the stress of going through that period of making sure that you know pay stubs are being submitted, earnest money is being verified. Do you find that you have to hound your clients every now and then to help the other sides, you know, or yes, the other players? Sometimes, again, it's, it's, you know, real estate, every deal is so unique. But yeah. yes, I mean, sometimes if you've got a client that's lagging a little bit and doesn't really understand the importance of these time frames, um, got to give them a little soft push there. A nice nudge. A nice nudge, if you will. Yeah, exactly. No, I got that. And then so now, now we get past the... Attorney review, we were happy with the negotiations. And and Vince, help me remember, I, I know there's typically a five, and Kimber mentioned five to seven days for attorney review, but isn't there another time frame after that where you have to finish with the negotiations? Am I incorrect on that? You are correct, but it's almost a very odd or strange phrase. So the uh, four-page car, Chicago Association of Realtors, it'll have a blank line for the number of days for attorney review, and the real estate agents assist and at the outset put in, uh, as has been shared here already, typically five or maybe seven. The 13-page uh, multi-board 7.0, a contract more often used in the suburbs uh, or especially with uh, single-family residences, it has like no blank line. It already has pre-populated, set in stone, uh, five days attorney review. But as to both contracts, both versions or templates that we use here in Illinois, there's an additional five business day window for everyone to work things out, for the lawyers to speak and interact. And as I explain it to first-time buyers, because experienced buyers or, or sellers already know this, but I call the first five-day period the first touch deadline. That's where it's like, speak now or forever hold your peace. you got to reach out to each other as attorneys or the, or, or, or the contract set in stone. Move along. So there's a first touch deadline. We will write a letter to the other side modifying the contract or mentioning inspection items. And then after you do your first touch deadline, five business days, everyone by contract has another five business days to sort it out. But here's where it's weird. Here's what's so funny. If you ever read the contract real closely, it says 
it for the second five business days for everyone to sort things out. Thereafter, when that expires, anyone can kill the deal. So it's kind of like this gray zone where you're still in a deal, even if it's taken two weeks. But by the way, uh, especially the agent on this call, no agent will let any attorney take two weeks to do anything. So we never even get that far. Is that but, true? Um, but isn't it? But it, but isn't it funny? Is it, well, when you work collaboratively, they'll call you and yep. they'll be like, uh, you, you, "You must be the worst attorney ever." Why would it make sense? <laughs> I, uh, I haven't received that call, but in my mind's eye, that's the script I would write. Okay. Uh, but but actually, the, when you read the second five-day deadline, so now you're looking at a total of 14 days, you're still in a deal. It just says, at that point, anyone can terminate. And here's the kicker, and I know I'm dominating a lot of time last night. No, please. It's so, it's so odd, because anyone could terminate by disagreeing and denying a counteroffer anyway in that window. As a lawyer, it's perplexed me. It's like saying... You got 14 days to work it out, or thereafter anyone can terminate. But by the way, prior to the 14 days, you can still terminate. Go figure, Charlie. I hear that. But you know, it's um. Well, I lost my train of thought on something there. You you said something that sparked about the time frame. Oh, I know where it was. It, it was the sellers. All right, and I, I and Kimber, I need your help on this one. I think that the the whole purpose of this time frame and keeping things moving is respect to the sellers because they're taking their house off the market. Is that phrase right for this period of time? And, and they're not going to have any other buyers or maybe they will. I don't know. Help me with that. Well, I think it's important to both the buyer and the seller. Right. Yes, the seller is seeing their, their property being taken off the market and, you know, other potential buyers coming in and putting offers on that property has pretty much been, you know, they're in good faith moving forward with the contract and taking, they're not going to be doing more showings. From the buyer's perspective, though, I think it's also important to really keep up with these deadlines as, first of all, interest rates are are on their way. As everyone knows, interest rates are creeping up. Um, so if you're an attorney review for a, a month and we don't, we're not able to. Has that really happened? No, but I'm, oh, being, okay, I'm being extreme here. No, that's um, good. I like week, it. We can say two weeks, which I, I just recently was in an attorney approval that lasted about two weeks, and it was extremely frustrating, and it didn't no. have to. But, um, you know, during that time, their you know interest rates had gone up. Other properties had come onto the market that they could have potentially been out there looking at. And in good faith, you're, you know, buyers are putting down earnest money, yeah. saying, you know, we're not going to be out there throwing offers on every other property. So I think, you know, Adhering to these deadlines works out in the favor of both the buyer and the seller for well, different reasons. A, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And it's just, I don't know, to me, it's you know, back in the firehouse, it, it was always do the right thing at the right time for the right reason and you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as long as you just show mutual respect to every other human that you're working with in the transaction, I think it's great. But that, that doesn't always happen. And I always look at these transactions is and, and any one of you three jump in and, and debate me on this one but I, I almost look at these transactions as short-term marriage and in order for a, a marriage to work everybody has to be on board everybody wants to make it work all you need is one person who doesn't want to make it work and everything's going to come crash and burn you would you guys agree with that statement or a thousand percent agree with that statement. <laughs> uh, it's and it's something I talk to uh, my borrowers about all the time up front. Is you know we're going to be the best friends over the next thirty days, and then you're going to forget I exist. You and know, it's okay. Uh, you did no, your job. It, it, That's it, just fine. <laughs> they're going to forget I exist until they hear a friend or family's buying, and then they're like, "Oh, you got to talk to my guy Joey," or you know. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's it's crazy. And then I, of course with the realtors, I try to stay. You know, I don't try to say, I just open line of communication 24 seven. Uh, that's the fastest way a deal is gonna close. Is everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what's needed or what's been done. And yeah, ex- exactly what you guys are saying, so. Vince, I heard you. Uh, and, uh, thanks, Charlie. You know, I love your uh, metaphor, but I've also referred to it as a dance. You know, uh, uh, first of all, you have to have a willing dance partner. Second of all, sometimes one will lead, and nowadays, sometimes another will lead. I know, Charlie, we may be old. Uh, it's not true that the man 
baseball. It doesn't even work that way. But, you know, uh, there's ebbs and flows in a deal. And the truth, the truth is once trust is broken, oh, my gosh, the whole thing can just be a nightmare for all involved or it can, uh, just, it, it can fall apart. So it's an intense burst of time uh, and period of time together. It's an emotional period of time, but ebb and flow, and it's like a, a, a good dance, or it can be like a lane from Seinfeld dance. It, it, you just <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that episode you're talking about. That's... Yeah. No, I got that. And Kimber, what's your thought on on all that too? With yeah, the as one I mentioned person? earlier, I I think that you know the goal is to really get once we're under contract the goal is to get the the client to the finish line to the closing table and you really i see it when i you know when we're at this point in a transaction then working with the lender and the attorney and we're definitely working as a team and the more open the line the better the more open the lines of communication the easier the transaction is most likely going to to be yeah, I couldn't agree more you know open upfront transparent we don't know what somebody doesn't know yeah and if you don't talk, you're not going to find out what that item is. And then we can't go ahead and get a solution everything. everything. Every problem can be fixed. I feel the same way with the mm-hmm. agents on the other end that's represent. I mean, obviously, we're always representing our client's best interest. Yeah. But, you know, the goal, again, is for both of them to get to the closing table. So I find when I'm working with someone that tends to be, you know, hostile rather than trying to work towards our common goal again, of getting our clients closed, it just really throws a wrench in or makes a transaction that much more stressful or that much more or adds a level of um, complications that doesn't necessarily it's need to unpleasant. be there. It's unpleasant. This doesn't have to be exactly. This doesn't have to be adversarial, you know. The whole exactly. it, there's two human beings that are happening here. One person wants to sell a house. Another person wants to buy a house. They both agreed on a price. They made this happen. I get it. There's other safeguards that have to happen. That's where the home inspector, the mortgage, the attorney, everybody else comes into play. But as long as everyone's up front and we still have that core of two people that want to make this happen, that's a good thing. But again, it goes right back to what I call the emotions and the logic. And Joey brought this up a couple of weeks ago that he learned from his military training and I learned this in the firehouse, you know, the human being cannot speak logically and emotionally at the same time. It's one or the other. So once we get a client that switched over to the emotion and now they want to be vindictive or angry on everything else that's going on, it's almost like that road rage guy on the highway and it just does nobody any good i I jumped on a soapbox i'm sorry about that no well i mean it's actually a good point i mean that's part of my job too is to absorb this these are very emotional processes very um and part of my job is to kind of absorb some of that emotion be a sounding board for my client um to express themselves and then help them make logical decisions and getting back on the logic thinking side getting them back to the logical side um that in itself takes some huge social skills that we're, we come into it. So we're, we, we do have roughly about 10 minutes left um, going on here. And, and I actually want to hear a little bit more about your listings, too. So I'm going to kind of switch gear a little bit. Give us some plugs. Tell us about some of your properties that are going out there, how great they are, and why somebody should buy this particular one. You know, we have um, – so we work across all across the city and the surrounding suburbs – um, currently, we're really excited to be representing a um, really beautiful single-family home in East Lincoln Park, um, Victorian facade that was that our clients completely took down to the studs. Wow! Um, I grew up in Lincoln Park, so I have a real like. It's just a, it's a great location. I have mm-hmm. fond memories of being a kid there. Watching the neighborhood evolve has been really interesting. Um, it's listed. It's six bedrooms, five and a half baths. It's listed at. Um, That's a huge house. In yeah, Lincoln three point three million. So it's a it's been really fun um, representing the listing. We've had some really beautiful pictures taken, um, drone videos, the whole. Are you allowed to give the address or any websites or anything like 823 that? Eight twenty three West Belden. 
823 West Belden. Yeah. Okay. And Lincoln Park, what is that? 60614? Yep. Hey, look at that. I would have gotten that yep. one. So, yeah, it's a really, uh-huh. really spectacular home. Definitely um, check it out on our website. No, definitely. For some additional information. So they took it down to the studs, so everything else is brand new. Did they replace like the plumbing, electric, all that stuff? They've or? been there for they've been there for fifteen years. So they okay. took it down to the studs fifteen years ago. And over time, I mean they've obviously done updates. They redid the primary suite in twenty twenty. Um but yeah, they took everything completely down to the studs at that time. And it was you know, it was really neat because they left a lot of the um architectural details that were unique to the period and the updates that they did um while they were modern. Um, they really paid homage to the time nice. in which the home was built. That's important. To yeah, me. so really special home, exciting listing for us. Nice. Any open houses coming up on that one? Um, you know, we're nothing this weekend. Maybe next weekend if we're still in the market. Yeah. It's fast. I'm yeah. sure things are going quick. I mean, well, that price range, that, that is not as fast as like the $200,000 homes. No, I mean, there's only, it's a and smaller, I'm asking, I'm it's not a smaller buyer pool, but okay. I think, you know, the last time I looked, currently on the market between 2.5, and I want to say like 3.5 million in Lincoln Park, Lakeview, North Center, maybe even Wicker Park, we can add our West Town, there's something like 15 listings yeah, I was gonna on say the market. There can't be that there's many. just nothing yeah. out there. Um, and they go quick. And they, they go quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Are you still seeing over market prices or or offers, I meant? I mean, yeah, in, in certain price points, we've had two buyers uh, this week that wrote offers that were over asking. They were, we, you know, we went to the open house and there was a line around the block. So immediately we knew that that was going to be a multiple offer yeah. situation to, and to start prepping our client on how to make the most competitive offer. Um, that could be a show in itself. You got how long would it? Yeah, give us a shot. How do you coach them for that? That's interesting. Well, again, every single you know, we look at the comps first of all, and okay. then you know, probably coach them that it's going to be over asking. Um, there are things that you can do to make offers more competitive. Um, obviously, price is usually the motivating factor. However, um, dropping appraisals, cash offers, um, doing an as-is sale, which means that you're you know, when your home inspector comes through and points out items that we might usually um, negotiate over after we're under contract, um, meaning that you won't negotiate over those items and you're taking the home as is. Um, It doesn't mean that you still don't get an inspection, which is obviously very important because your inspector is going to point out things that, you know, how to care for your home over the next, over the lifetime that you're living there. Um, And this is something I learned from Vince a couple of weeks ago. And let's see if I remember right. You, if you buy something as is, you are not supposed to, you cannot use the home inspection report to get out of the contract. Is that correct? No, you can still. Uh, oh, go ahead, Vince. I'll let you. I'll sorry. let you answer this one. No, no, please, no. Go ahead. No, by all means. In you know, as Vince was saying earlier, um, when he was discussing the attorney approval period, it's kind of that beginning phase when you're under contract. You're still, that's generally only one to $5,000 in earnest money that's been submitted. So, um, so that's still possible. You're still able to terminate a contract and most people aren't going to go trying to get into lawsuits over a thousand dollars. So generally if you need to, and most of the time a seller wants to get back on the market and the buyer wants to keep looking. So if they've had multiple offers, they probably have backup offers as well. They'll just move to the next one. Yeah. And that would be the easy out and stuff like that. But Vince, it, is my statement correct, though, or incorrect? Uh, well, what's fun, well, first of all, everything said so far is absolutely correct with a nuance. Charlie, what Always we, a nuance. I love attorneys so much, you know? Yeah, you're right, but, but more by, you're right, but more by, like, custom or expectation. So what happens is you still, as already said, you still have the inspection window where your lawyer's working with you. And you have the right to kill a deal in an as-is situation if you don't like what you see. But by polite, by being polite, or by expectation, the seller under an as-is contract uh, is not 
expecting to come back to them with any changes. They are telegraphing. They are sell- telling you from the beginning of signing of the contract that don't come back to me with any inspection items. I'm selling this place as is. Now, what I told my buyers is every, it, it, everything's a risk assessment. Like you, you're not. There's nothing barring you from going back to your seller and pointing out something on the inspection. But no, your seller's expectation is, I told you as is, it is as is, I'm not doing anything, and if it's a multiple offer situation, thank you for the opportunity to kill the deal because now that you even asked me to screw in the loose bolt on a doorknob, I'm going on to the next offer. So that's the risk you run. That's fair. All right, we we are running, getting towards the end. I'm watching the clock dial down. I would like to go around the horn again and start with Kimber this time. Give us your contact information, how people can reach you again, please. Um, my, You can reach me directly, um, 312-339-6900, and my website is www.kdhomeschicago.com. Thanks so much. No, oh, it's always a pleasure having you. Vince, give us your contact, please. Sure. Phone number, again, area code 312-263-0010. Check out our website for uh, videos, blogs, information, questions answered, FAQs. Uh, We are at www.reallawchicago.com. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks, Charlie. Always. And just for the the record here, I'm going to confess I stalked you a little bit. Vince, I was watching some of those videos that you got up on your website. They're informative. I was actually enjoying them quite a bit, so that was really good work. Uh, Joey, give us your contact, please. Yes, sir. Joey Matthews, uh, cell phone 630-235-2405. Easily the best way to get a hold of me. Sounds good. And I'm Charlie Belfontaine. This is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is www.thehome inspectors.com and it's ORS, a plural, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312-544 I'm drawing a blank. Uh, (laughs) 5443- I'll get the phone number a little bit later. I can't even remember my own phone number. Isn't that horrible? Um, So, Kimber, let me just ask you a, a kind of a hard question here. All right? And if you were to bring on another real estate agent, and maybe I touched on it earlier in the day, or you met somebody who's coming into the real estate profession and they asked you, how can I be as successful as you? What, and you, you can only choose one, give them one good quality. What would you choose? Start off as an assistant working for a top producer. Oh my God, it's almost the same thing that I have with the home <laughs> inspection. Experience is where you're going, Experience, right? A, you know, apprenticeship. Having somebody looking over your shoulder. Yep. Just you know? making sure that it's, you're going to end up having your, the education that you'll get from that experience is going to be way more valuable than any real estate class that you've taken. And um, yeah, that would be the way I would. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Experience has always been the key. A lot of people think that coming into this business, oh, it's real easy. Here's the paper, fill out the form, you give it to them, and we're good to go and stuff. So, well, we've eaten up another hour, so we're closing in on the end here. I want to thank everybody, and especially, you know, my co-host, Joey Matthews of the Federal Savings Bank, and Vince Arricchio of Arricchio Law Group, but most importantly, Kimber, thank you for being with us. This is the Homebuyer's Hour on WCPT AMA 20.